Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Leah Warshawski produces and directs documentary-style features, television, commercials, and branded entertainment in remote parts of the world. Leah's film career began in Hawaii, working in the Marine Department for Lost and Hawaii. She's currently working as an impact producer for two feature documentaries, Personhood and The Wild. She also advises filmmakers on outreach, marketing, and hybrid distribution plans. Leah recently gave a TEDx talk entitled, How Do You Cope with the Trauma You Didn't Experience? She's currently in outreach on her highly successful film, Big Sonia. And Carol, Leah has also uh, have, has a lot to share today with us on the production and successful distribution of Big Sonia. Absolutely, Claire. We really thank you for joining us, Leah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, I remember reading about Big Sonia in the beginning, and I thought yeah. that it was about a tenacious entrepreneur who was your grandmother, and she was the last person to leave this Kansas City dying mall. And now, years later, it seems that this film has so much more meaning that it's changing lives, it's moving people in important emotional ways. So tell us about this brilliant new film. Well, it, it thanks for sticking with it because it took us, I think, seven or eight years to finish <laughs> making oh the goodness. film and now we're still we're still working on it. Um so it was a long it was a long road to get here and we're still going. But I think, you know, what you said kind of encapsulated the project. I think we started out just making a film about Sonia, who's my grandmother who still drives herself to work six days a week at a dead mall. And the film turned into a lot more than that because of the things we found out along the way and the things that happened along the way, which is, I think, true to form for most documentaries, at least the good ones. Um, things happen that you don't expect. Uh, things unfold, the story unfolds, and by the end of the process, it's a totally different film than you started out making. So we're really proud of the way that it turned out and... Uh, we just urge people to see it because I think a lot of the time you see the word Holocaust because Sonia is a Holocaust survivor. You see that word and it, it makes you feel a certain way and it makes you think, well, this is a film that I've already seen or I've already seen a, a, a different film about the Holocaust. This film, I promise you, Big Sonia, is like unlike any other Holocaust movie you've ever seen. And that's really all I'm going to say about it. Because I do want I do want people to watch it and give it a chance, and I I promise you you will take something from it. Well, you know I I don't think we'll ever have enough films on the Holocaust. I think the more the better. 
it's really important. You know. So um, I I I agree, but we did have a lot of pushback along oh, the way, I know. and still to still to this day. It's amazing. It's amazing because I yeah. get that in my grant, you know. Um, yeah. That, you know, when people say to me, well, we did this, or no, we didn't do this. <laughs> we yeah. have to keep doing yeah. this, you know. Right. But right. Um, I understand that one of your goals for this film is to get it into, get copies of it into prisons. So one of the aspects of the film that emotionally touched the prisoners and why did they relate to it so much? Yeah, well, I think it's rare. Um, I haven't seen any other film where a Holocaust survivor goes into a, a prison and speaks with inmates. And so when we did that um, in our film, you know, we did it because we had an opportunity that was presented to us by Sue Ellen Freed, who runs a program called Reaching Out From Within uh, that's based in the Midwest that goes into facilities, men's and women's facilities, and really, you know, has a program that they do with um, incarcerated men and women to give them a little bit of hope and to try and have them reflect on their own lives and how things could be different potentially when they get out. So Sue Ellen actually saw an article in the newspaper about Sonia's shop closing and reached out because she felt like it would be really powerful for Sonia to speak with some of the inmates that she worked with. So because of Sue Ellen, we were able to go into Lansing Correctional Facility a number of times with Sonia and speak with men um, and really kind of connect with them and see how Sonia connected with them. And what happened was that it was the first time that I authentically saw Sonia really connect and really feel like she was getting something out of the conversation versus just giving because when she goes to schools and when she speaks, she gives and gives and gives, but teenagers can't really understand where she's coming from or what she's talking about. Most people cannot understand, but I think she felt like the prisoners did relate to her experience that they understood where she was coming from and she understood them. And that was a really powerful experience. And she's, you know, we always say she's big in prison because she gets requests all the time to go back and she just can't physically go back as much as people want her to go back. So we would like to get um, the film into as many facilities as we can. And we actually created a specific discussion guide just for incarcerated men and women. But oh, you did. it's harder than you'd think. Yeah, it's <laughs> we're having a rough time. Um, because either people have to say, okay, we're going to donate the package to an institution because we believe that that's the right thing to do or we're passionate about that, or uh, we, we have to have a grant that says, okay, we believe this is important, or the wardens themselves have to believe in the film enough to bring it into the film library at the institution, and none of those things have happened so far. So although it's a lofty, you know, and admirable goal, and it makes sense when we talk about it, the logistics of making that happen are very difficult. 
it's a lot of time and energy getting through to those people. And I'm sure once they saw the film, they would be willing to purchase it. But getting them to do that is the problem, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and then, you know, funding and how you allocate funding at a school or a prison or any institution um, is is difficult and interesting, and we don't always understand how that works. So that's been one challenge of the whole project, is figuring out ways to get the film into places where we think people need to see it, because we know that their lives will be changed after seeing it. Well, is this what uh, you do as an impact producer? You are screening your film in places that make an impact, or explain to me what is an impact producer? Well, I think, you know, there's, I guess you could also call it producer of distribution and marketing. I think that there's some crossover with impact producing and producing for distribution and marketing. We're all essentially doing the same thing. We're all trying to get a film seen and screened um, in places that are going to make an impact and make a difference. And I do a lot of um, marketing and outreach and consulting on social impact and festival strategy. I consult about distribution. All of that, I guess, falls under an impact producer. But it's essentially what happens after the film is done or when it's almost done. What are you going to do with it? Who's going to see it? How are you going to make money back? Um, Those are all kind of things that I deal with <laughs> in this in this role and it's different for every film depending on where they're at and what connections they already have what partners they have or don't have so it's always a new challenge and and I enjoy that oh great and that's what inflatable film does your yeah, company we, we also we also produce our own content so we um, have clients who we make content for film and video content, marketing content, and then we uh, produce our own films. You know, we produce two features. We're working on a short film, and then we do impact producing for other people's films. So we sort of a one-stop shop. This is wonderful. Well, uh, I know another of your goals is to get your film into the VA hospitals, so why is that? I mean, that's a wholly different market. It it's a whole different market. Patients. You know, and um, what we found is that when Sonia, and again, because of Sue Ellen Freed, who brought Sonia to speak with veterans um, and military caregivers, and we found that they related to the aspect of PTSD and resilience and how do you get through something, you know, how do you try to have some kind of normal life after you've been through such a traumatic experience? And, you know, Sonia was shot through the chest on the day that she was liberated. And miraculously, she survived. Unbelievable. Uh, When she recounts, yeah, when she recounts that experience, um, and then you see how resilient she is, you know, on the outside or the fact that she has decided that she's going to get up every day and 
you know, dress up and go into work. That's inspiring for a lot of people to see and for veterans who've also been through war and horrible and traumatic things. Um, she can be a role model for them. And there's a lot to talk about when you talk about PTSD. And so we actually just created a discussion guide specifically for military and veteran caregivers with um, help and partnership from the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. And so one of our goals in the next year or two is going to be to try and get the film into um, veteran hospitals, but also into groups where military and veteran caregivers are, you know, holding, holding groups um, and speaking already on a, you know, weekly, monthly basis. Oh, that would be wonderful. And that would be something people could donate towards, right? Of course. Yes. Well, tell us where they can donate. Where, what uh, link? How do we get there? Um, everything is on our website. It's bigsonia.com. Uh, donations are tax deductible through our fiscal sponsor. And if you're interested in donating more than one package, uh, we would love to just speak with you directly because there are ways we can make it um, easier or more beneficial for tax purposes. <laughs> and there's a lot we can do with discounting if we're talking about multiple packages. So I would just ask people to email me directly and then we can start the conversation that way. Okay. And what is your email? It's Leah at inflatablefilm.com. And that's on our website too. So if you go to bigsonia.com, you should be able to find our email pretty easily. Okay. That's perfect. All right. Well, the interesting thing is that you've actually made two different uh, educational kits, right? You did one for the veterans and one for the prisons. We have one. We have one educational package, um, and we have two discussion guides. Actually, we have three discussion guides right now. We have one that's for um, middle school and high school aged. We have one that's for military and veteran caregivers, and then we have one that's for incarcerated men and women. So. Um, we have one educational package. It has the feature film, which is 93 minutes, and then a 45-minute version for educators because they told us that they needed something that length to play in a classroom setting. Um, 45 and the educational minutes for package, educators. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it comes with screening rights, public performance rights. So one package com- comes with everything in it, and then you keep it in your library. Um, forever, or you can donate it to a school or organization. Well, this is fantastic. So you're doing your own distribution or hybrid distribution. Did you sign with a distributor, or is this? Uh, yeah, we have not a, on we have car- a few different. We have a few different distributors um, for different windows. We're working with Passion River Films uh, for DVD distribution and uh, non-exclusive educational we have uh, and also digital and then we have uh, Jim Brown at Argot Pictures who did our theatrical distribution Uh, we do a lot of the educational work ourselves in terms of reaching out to schools and organizations and we're looking for an international broadcast distributor at the moment I think that's the one area that we haven't explored uh, that much 
yet, but now that everything else is calming down a little bit, we're, we're reaching out to try and get international broadcast distribution because Sonia was born in Poland, uh, and there's a, you know, I think there's a big European market for the film, but also the film has done well in Asian countries. So we had a really good response in China um, and a couple of uh-huh. other places that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yes. So we're going we're gonna to try that in the coming year. Oh, that's great. Well, so you do have a hybrid distribution, and you're handling all of it. But this would, of course, I believe, give you more money in the long run because you're really in charge of what happens, right? Yeah, we do, we definitely need partners in order to get into, you know, for example, digital partners. We need digital partners because uh, they can help with placement. If we upload the film ourselves, we might not get decent placement, and so we chose to work with a distributor for digital. But I think having more control over the process does yield more money <laughs> um, because we've been able to sell, you know, for example, our educational packages, when we sell those on a non-exclusive basis, we keep that money. And it costs us money to make the packages, but now that we have them, all the money that we make on that comes back to us. So it's one way we've been able to make earned income. And also we have, you know, we do have merchandise that we sell off of our website, but the merchandise doesn't, it's not doing very well. I mean, we we don't sell very much. So I'm rethinking that at the moment. (laughs) I think I'm going to cut our losses on that and just sell DVDs because people aren't really interested in in anything else. Well, this is the way to do it. You just it's uh, try it and see what happens, and if it works, terrific. If not, we'll put that aside and do something else. This is a great way to yeah. do it. You know, you it's learn. not to say that. Yeah, we're we we're constantly learning and trying to optimize things and trying to streamline everything better. And you know, it's not to say that if we had received an offer from a bigger distributor, we might have taken it. But the way that things happened with our film, we just didn't, you know, we didn't receive offers from some of the places that we thought would have been a really good fit. And so we were forced to make our own way and find a path and make it work because we didn't want to just give the film to one distributor and trust that they were going to get it out in the world and trust that we'd make any money back. So right. we, we, we had to design a strategy that made sense and worked for us where we would make money back because that was one of the things that needed to happen. We you know, had invested some money in the film. I had personally invested a lot of time and energy in the film knowing that I would design something on the back end that would make some of that money back. Good. That's the way it should be. It should, these films should be more profitable to filmmakers. And uh, too often they sign with distributors and that's it. They or Whatever the money they got down as a down payment, that's it. They don't see anything. Right, exactly. exactly. This, can't, this can't go on like this. It's not fair to the filmmaker. You it's and, so you've hard, been in, though. It's so hard. <laughs> and <laughs> It's not. It's not that filmmakers aren't trying. 
it's not that they're not trying or that they're not working hard, but it's a really tough landscape to navigate. And we, you know, we're just doing the best we can. We don't know everything. And there's so many distributors and the perception, you know, I think that's a big problem is people's perception of what documentaries are, how much they should make, how much they shouldn't make. Are they art? Are they business? Um, I think just the general perception in the world of documentary films does not help our cause because I, I believe that a lot of people think uh, you could get a Netflix deal and be done and that would be fine. Or that, you know, if your film goes to theaters and you have a successful run, I think people still believe that filmmakers might see money from that, which is really, you know, not necessarily the case. So yeah, I think we need to change perceptions at the same time. Exactly. Uh, this is very important. What people are paying for films is really important. This I've been working right. on, Leah, trying to get people to contact me and tell me what they sold their film for because this is one of the few businesses in the world where you set out to make a product. You have no idea what the return is going to be. Right. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And, and look how much the industry changed over the eight years while you were making this film. We went... From uh, exactly. DVDs, from Blockbuster, to forget about it, to well, when uh, we, yeah, downloads. When we, when we first started, I think there was still a chance of maybe getting a decent Netflix deal. But yes. by, the time, by the time we were done Netflix, I mean, they passed on our film three times. But I don't believe filmmakers, unless you get in on a Netflix original, I don't believe you can still get a decent Netflix deal, and they will cannibalize the rest of your rights. So that changed completely um, while we were making this film. Yes. It's amazing. And what I heard recently, uh, that if you had like an A-list actor or some good right. some name attached, either as a narrator or in the film, you might be able to get $1,000 a minute. Uh, so that might be ninety thousand dollars for a film that cost you three hundred, four hundred thousand. That's uh, I would again, say nine, ninety thousand. Yeah, ninety thousand would be great <laughs> for us, but that's not. We we haven't even seen anything close to that, and right. there's no guarantee. Um, yeah, there's just no guarantee. And for documentaries to have an A-list actor, it would probably have to be the narrator. Yeah, and. That's looked on, you know, different people look at that different ways. So I've had some people at grant organizations really frown upon that. Um, there's a really vulgar term for that that I'm not going to mention, but making a celebrity your narrator just so that you have a chance at potentially getting onto Netflix doesn't seem right, in my opinion. No, no, it's the tail wagging the dog. That's yeah. absolutely wrong. But I have to say, uh, getting money from the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, congratulations. That well, we haven't a, received any funding from them. We haven't received oh, no. any money from them. We just partnered with them for this discussion guide because they're the leaders in what they do. Um, and they're at the forefront of working with military and veteran caregivers. And so we just collaborated on a discussion guide with them um, that we have on our website for free. 
uh, and we have we've not received any funding from them we're going to have to go out and find funding separately find grants or individual donors who are interested in in helping military and veteran caregivers oh I see okay it was a partnership, and they helped you with the uh, paperwork. Did you write they, yes, all of they this Yes, they created yourself? the discussion guide. Um, they, we collaborated on it together, so they, um, we wrote it together. Yeah, we wrote hmm. it together. But you do everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to. <laughs> we have to. Good. This is wonderful. I know that your outreach on the film has been exceptional. So how many cities have you appeared in personally? Well, that's a good question. I don't I don't know how many cities we've, you know, I don't know how many cities I went to over the span of 2 years. Uh my husband and I traveled with the film and mostly I was there with it. It started we released the film one day after the election in November 2016, and then we spent two years on the road going to as many screenings and, and film festivals as we could to promote it in person and, and talk about the movie in person. And uh, over the course of the two years, it screened at more than 75 film festivals. I was at wow. probably 90% of them. <laughs> um, and it's had a lot of community screenings. We've probably had over 200 community screenings at schools and churches and nonprofits. And after two years on the road, I had to stop and take a break just for personal health and sanity. But I think it took, we also had a theatrical release during that time. So we were at a theater in Sonia's hometown at the Glenwood Arts Movie Theater in Kansas City, uh, the film did really well and ended up staying there for six months. And oh my goodness. it was something that we didn't expect that to happen. We thought, you know, it, it started right before the holidays and we thought, well, it'll, we'll be there for maybe two weeks and it'll die down. But I think the holidays actually gave it a bump <laughs> because people would come back, they'd bring their families. Um, they'd come back to see the film multiple times and, it ended up staying for six months and we kind of lived in the lobby for the first few months of that just to keep it going. Oh, Um, how wonderful. It it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun and it was a totally rare and unique experience. And our, our booker kept telling me this will never happen again. (laughs) And I believe it, (laughs) it will never happen again. Um, It was just one of those things that the stars aligned and it worked out and we actually made money back on theatrical, which is unheard of, but it was because the film stayed at one theater for, for six months. Right. Oh, what a blessing that was. It was, it was. So now what are your plans for future outreach for the film? Well, (laughs) we have big ideas and big dreams and if we can keep ourselves healthy enough to, keep going on this project. Um, hopefully it'll all come true. But my biggest goal for the next two years is to, we're going to launch a program probably this fall or winter uh, where we are going to try and get the film educational package into every single school in the state of Kansas, wow. uh, which is about seven, 700 middle schools and high schools total. 
and we're starting with Kansas because Sonia lives there. And it's one of the states that does not mandate Holocaust education in classrooms. It's also where a lot of our support is because we, you know, we were in, we filmed in the Midwest. We essentially lived there for eight years on and off. We know a lot of people there. We have great connections in the Midwest. And it seems like if we can make this happen in Kansas, that's a great way to use Kansas as a template for other states. And it's right smack dab in the middle of our own country. So for many reasons, we're starting in Kansas. Uh, we're going to have to go out and look for funding and donors and grants again uh, mm -hmm. to make it happen because it doesn't happen on its own. So that's what I'll be doing. Uh, and then also looking for funding to bring the film into more prisons and into more military and veteran caregiver groups. So the, the film is done. The fundraising is never done. And the outreach continues. And the outreach. But you really now are a professional with this outreach. So, And you give personal consultations, I understand, on outreach, marketing, and hybrid distribution, right? Yeah, I do work with filmmakers um, on all of those things. And I, you know... It's, there's so much to talk about, and each film is very, very different. Each strategy is really different and unique. And I think what I've learned in the last few years is that it's really tough to give anyone concrete advice in an hour. And so I used to do kind of hour consultations um, with new filmmakers but I found that it was just never enough time. It was exhausting for me. It was exhausting for them. Um, and I don't feel like anything can really, you can't get to the meat of anything in an hour. So right now I'm trying to just work with projects who are longer term um, so we can come up with a strategy that makes sense and understand that we're all in this for the long game. I mean, it is a long trajectory. There's There's no easy way out <laughs> if you if you choose to stick with the film and if you are going to be involved in the outreach and impact once the film is done that's a at least a year to two years sometimes a lot longer trajectory right. so that's that's what I'm seeing more of and those are the projects that I really love working with, you know, where filmmakers come before they're done with the film and say, okay, I know I'm going to be working on this film for the next few years. I want to come up with a strategy. I want it to be successful and I'm not in a rush. <laughs> those are, those are the best filmmakers I work with. Yes, absolutely right. Because it does. I know from giving consultations that uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's the third uh, third call or so before you get in the heart yes. of it. And they say, oh, well, such and yes. such, what? Wait a minute. I didn't know that yes. before, you know. Yes. They just drop a bomb. And you say, oh, well, then that's, that should be on the top of the list. And right. it takes right. a while exactly. because they've been carrying all this information for years. And they yes. don't know how to uh, prioritize it, I guess, or... Whatever, right, but right. it's getting it all out of them. Right, exactly. Well, I'd say that this, you know, would be a benefit to filmmakers to personally share their information and learn what you know because you've been there and done it. And I think that's the best way to learn 
dig about that. I, and, I do too, and there's a lot of there's a lot of workshops and panels. Um, like I'm I'm going to be speaking at Doc NYC in November. Um, okay. About fundraising, they have you know Doc NYC Pro or the Doc Shop. Um, a lot of film a lot of film festivals. Sorry, are creating these kind of Doc Shop experiences now, where it's multi-day panels and workshop events and. I highly recommend anytime you can get to one of those. I know that Big Sky Film Festival also has a doc shop. Bentonville Film Festival um, is, I believe, going to create something like that. And I think festivals are now seeing the value in doing that and bringing filmmakers together, having panels and workshops where people can learn from other people's films and, and use those films as a case study. And I've always said it, it feels a lot like group therapy when you go because you're around people who have the same drive and the same passion and the same, you know, goals for making films and distributing films. And there's just not any other way that you can get that information. <laughs> you can read case studies. I mean, and there's case studies that come out online and in different film magazines. And those are also incredibly helpful. Um, but there's nothing like being in a room of other filmmakers who are going through the same challenges that you are talking with other people who've done it. And that's right. how we all learn. That's how we all get better. It's sharing it. It's exactly right. Yes. Well, uh, you know, Maury, your father was on this show with Claire and yeah. I about five, six months ago. And he gave yeah. so much information on the film funding parties. I love his little yes. book, The Fundraising House Party. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a must for any filmmaker, whether you're going to have a house party or not. All the information there is so applicable yes. to funding yeah, a film. But did you have house parties when you started out? Of course. Did you use that? Yeah. Oh, good. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> my dad literally wrote the book. So, yeah, yeah we, had, um, <laughs> we had a lot of different kinds of fundraisers and many fundraising house parties, I guess you could call them, even though they might have not been in a house. We used a lot of the information from the book. And, you know, I, I work with other filmmakers who are also creating house parties. Um, I think when you're fundraising, you have to do, you have to throw a lot of irons in the fire. And why not try and have as many fundraising house parties as you can? along the way because grants are so difficult to get. Um, and so, you know, we found that individual donors are really the fastest and best way to fundraise. And if you can get a bunch of people together at a fundraising house party, that's like best case scenario. We've had a lot of success. And, and did one party lead to another? Were you able to do that? Um, in some cases, yeah, in some cases. I think it's really more about making sure that the right people are there and that they understand that it's a fundraising house party. Because we have had hosts offer um, to host an event or host a party, but when it came down to us really saying, listen, we need, we, we need to raise money at this event and we need you to be comfortable asking for the money. You know, we did have some people who just weren't really comfortable asking their friends. 
and that's a big red flag for a house party. Mm -hmm. So the right things really have to come together. It sounds like it's an easy thing to do, but you need all of the right elements to come together in order for it to work. Um, And by work, I mean you need to raise money at the event. That's what the purpose is. And if you have the event and you don't raise very much, it's a lot, it's high effort. Um, and it takes money to make money. So you have to, you know, throw a good party <laughs> to, to make a lot of money. Exactly. Uh, so there's, you know, this right combination of things that needs to happen that my dad outlines really well. And I, we've been successful with that method and we'll, we'll continue to do that, you know, for every project we work on and um, potentially for outreach for Big Sonia as we continue to try and raise money to get the film into, into school. Yes, I would think if for outreach, it would be terrific funding party. Yes, yeah. Well, can you share some of the other ways that you raise money for the film? Um, well, we did we did receive some grants, some regional grants, and then uh, a couple of family foundation grants that all came through personal connections, uh, and then we did a crowdfunding campaign for outreach and distribution once the film was done. So uh, we raised money that way. We used an organization in New York called Women You Should Fund, which is owned by uh, Women You Should Know, which is a social media site. And so that was successful, and that helped us get the film into theaters. Uh, We qualified it for an Academy Award, and that was one of the things we raised money for during the campaign. And then we had a bunch of individual donors along the way who would write checks, you know, for eight years. I think that covers it. We didn't have any corporate sponsorships. Um, We didn't have any pre-sales. So all of the money we raised was, was through personal connections and and house parties and crowdfunding which also is personal (laughs) right well this is a this women you should fund is a new funding platform i haven't heard of them oh you should you should definitely check them out um a film i'm working on called personhood right now Mm -hmm. did the same thing they raised money on the site as well and it's great because when you work with Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or some of the other sites, it's not very personal. And you don't necessarily get your emails returned. You don't get phone calls returned. Um, You feel like you're working with a big organization. And Women You Should Fund is still small enough that when you write them an email, you get something back the same day. (laughs) When you call, you get your calls returned. Um, We know them personally, and, and the founders Jen and Cynthia have become really good friends, and we actually gave them an in association with credit on Big Sonia because they helped us so much during that campaign, and they just became family. And um, we look at them more as partners, and that's what, that's what a lot of filmmakers need. I think you don't want to be another number. You don't want to be lost in on a website. Um, and they gave us a lot of personal attention and just kind of held our hands along the way and, and were rooting for us and gave us a lot of support and help that no other platform offered. 
Well, did uh, did you get any uh, donations from their own list? Yes. Um, wow. We we did, but as with any crowdfunding campaign, I, it still comes down to your personal context. For us, exactly uh, the funding the funding that we received most of the funding is six degrees of separation funding. So. Mm-hmm. We've used Kickstarter before, and when we and we were successful. But when we looked at the metrics, there were only a, a small handful of people who donated that weren't in our network already. That just, you know, were trolling the Kickstarter site, I guess. Which I, I don't really think people do that anymore to see, no. oh, that project looks interesting, and and then they're giving a dollar, which do, is not helpful. So right for film, you know, I understand it's helpful if you're making a product. Um, but for for films, it's really hard to raise money when people are giving you a dollar. So you really need the you know larger donations to make it to make it work. Uh, when you when people donate a dollar, the uh, PayPal or the, uh, the bank that handles it gets thirty right. cents minimum. So, exactly. Yes. And so you if yeah. you get sixty cents out of that dollar, you're doing well. So, and I, that's why I right. never right. let filmmakers put a, the, anything that low on. But um, right. then right. Indiegogo and Kickstarter are running in the low 30s as far as success rate uh, right. for a successful sex, hitting your goal. Uh, so right. And right. Um, they give you nothing. You will never find even 2% comes from anything but your own list. So right, uh, right, anything right. above anything above your list is a bonus. That's what the point is. Right, right. Right. So good. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to know about. Now, um if the partners uh for films are the key. So, uh, you've got you have the Dole Foundation as a partner. Have you got uh, any others, and are you looking for more? We're always looking for more partners. Um, we <laughs> have a ton of partners and sponsors uh, that are all on our website. You know, over eight years, we amassed quite a lot of <laughs> um, different organizations who wanted to just have their you know their company mentioned or their logo involved or people who gave in kind donations. Um, we have a, a friend in Washington who has a company that makes caramels and she, her company is called King Caramel and she donated, you know, hundreds of thousands of caramels for us at, at one point. And so we put her logo on our site. I mean, we have all different kinds of partners for, for different things. Um, when it comes to outreach partners, we're looking for people who can, you know, not only help fund the efforts to get the film into the places we need it to get to, but maybe potentially partners who could help us with teacher training or community partners who have contacts in certain communities that we don't belong to or that we aren't a part of. Um, we're looking for legislative partners. You know, in some cases we need uh support from government officials. So partners come in all shapes and sizes and um, we're always, always looking for the right partners who have the same kind of vision for what we want 
with the film. Um, we really want to work with people who get it. We have spent a lot of time in the last 20 years, you know, trying to convince people to see things the way that we see them or standing up for what we believe in. And at this point, we just want to work with partners who have similar ideas, who have similar goals um, and similar values. And that's really important to us. So even our distribution partners uh, and our press partners and people that we've worked with in the last couple of years, we absolutely make it a point to meet people in person before we sign anything or before we decide that we're going to enter into one of these bigger partnerships. So that's really important to us. It's, we, you know, it's a long relationship and we feel like we need to meet someone in person. We need to talk face-to-face. -face. We need to make sure that we're aligned or it's going to cause a lot of problems down the road. Exactly. Get very clear on your goals and outline who does yes. what. Clearly. Yes. yes. Well, that is good information. Now, are you working on another film? Uh, well, I'm working on a couple of other films just as an impact producer, so helping films get to festivals um, and coming up with a longer-term strategy for outreach and impact. And then my husband and I are working on a short film um, right now that will hopefully be done uh, end of this year or beginning of next year um, that's kind of an adventure sports film, something different than what we've been doing. <laughs> oh, that sounds uh, nice. You know, we're always looking for the next film. Um, we're sort of we're open to to what comes up, but I think we're we're trying to design our life in a way that we can work on on things that we care about and that we know are going to make an impact, and also be able to fund the effort um, yes. along the way. It's you know it is a business. What we do is a business. We look at it as a business, and so that's a big part of it. This is the business of film, Leah. <laughs> People forget that. It is. That. It is. People think that. Uh, I I think the perception is that documentary filmmakers are, you know, doing it just uh, because it's a labor of love. And I actually never use that term. I hate that term. I I say it's a labor of labor. <laughs> that we love what we do. We love what we do. But it is not. We're not doing it at the cost of everything else. Let's put it that way. It's um, it it's a business. We can't, you know, we can't pay the rent otherwise. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, we we love it, but <laughs> we're not we're not willing to starve for it. That's the way you have to be. You have to go into it to make money. Well, let me yeah. ask you something. Uh, Seventy-five film festivals. <clears throat> Do you think? It was worth the time and the money. Were, were, did you get enough results from those festivals to warrant it? Yes. Um, I think going to festivals with a film gives you a lot of advantages uh, that you don't have otherwise. You know, you meet a ton of people. Um, you meet programmers from other festivals. You make contacts with filmmakers who might help you down the road. You learn about distribution and the current distribution landscape just by talking with people. Um, 
you get to see some really great films that you probably wouldn't see otherwise, or you get to see them on the big screen versus having to wait for them to come out digitally. Um, And you get a lot of regional local press. So you can, you know, without having to hire a press agent for every city, you can do a lot at a festival with press on your own that you can't do otherwise. And so you can build up a really good resume for the film if you are going to do theatrical. Um, It's great to have a successful festival run. Uh, Yes. Ahead of that, people, you know, you'll find people start hearing about your film. Oh, they've seen it. They've heard about it. Uh, It creates a certain buzz. And you get real clear on what's resonating with audiences. So if you are going to have a long trajectory of outreach and impact with the film, it's helpful to go to festivals and sit in those audiences and see how people are reacting to the film because things will come out that you didn't expect. Things are different than what you thought. Um, You'll get reactions that you never would have thought about. You'll get, you know, you start to hone in on where the biggest impact might be. Or, you know, we would never have known that our film was meaningful to veterans if we hadn't been traveling with the film for so long, if we hadn't done festivals for so long, if we hadn't sat in those audiences, you know, the things that people would come up and tell us afterwards, the veterans that we met who came to the film over and over again and then spoke with us afterwards. Teenagers, same thing. You know, teenagers who came to the film and then talked with us afterwards, told us how it affected them. So it helps get in touch with who the audience actually is versus who you thought the audience was going to be. That is wise counsel, Leah. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Well, this has been a delightful time with you. I really thank you so much for all you've shared. Well, thank and I, you. I'm so I'm amazed you know you so much. Made this happen. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, tell us one more time how people can find you and Big Sonia. Uh, BigSonia.com is our website, and my email is on the site, but it's Leah, L-E-A-H, at inflatablefilm. Dot com. Okay, terrific. Best of luck, and I will stay in touch. I can't wait to hear what's Thank next. Thank you. Please do. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, have a great day. Thank you, Leah. Bye-bye. Thank you, Claire. Yes. Thank you. Thank you Thanks, very Claire. much, Leah. All right. Be well, everyone. All right. Thank you, everyone. Okay. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.